chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. The parable of the sower. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. This is the word of God. Good morning. Um, 
As I've read and watched the news over the past week, um, particularly seeing stories of the tragic fire in the Grenfell Tower and the current political uncertainties of our nation, I've also related to uh, the sombre national mood that the Queen spoke of yesterday in her birthday um, message. Yet I've also read stories of hope and generosity surfacing in unexpected places and ways. In our passage this morning, Jesus talks about a farmer who sows generously the word of life, the gospel, in unexpected places and ways. It's also a very challenging parable where Jesus talks about the different responses people have to hearing the gospel. It can be hard not to let the over-familiarity with this parable prevent us from seeing the implications that it has for Jesus' hearers but also for our world today, where there is so much need for the hope that the gospel brings. Shall we pray before we look at this passage together? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for those disciples of yours who heard Jesus tell and explain this parable. Thank you that they recorded it so we can learn from it now. And please open our ears to really hear what you want to say to us today. And take these words of mine and accomplish what you desire through them. In Jesus' name, amen. So in today's passage, we see Jesus telling the parable at the beginning in verses 3 to 8. And then following this in verses 14 to 20, he gives his disciples an exposition of the parable. So I'm not going to go through each of the different soils in detail, but instead I want to focus this morning on three things. Firstly, what are the obstacles that prevent us from bearing fruit? Secondly, what can we learn from the sower about how we can share the gospel? And thirdly, what can we expect to see when we do share the gospel? So firstly, thinking about the obstacles that prevent us from bearing fruit. When Jesus tells this parable, he's challenging his listeners to really hear his message. We see him begin in verse 3 with, listen. He's commanding them right at the beginning to pay attention to what he's about to say. Then again, he says in verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. And then he mentions the word hear another four times in the passage. Jesus is aware that there are things which stop us from hearing properly. And so that's why he teaches in parables. These were stories that were told so that the people really seeking truth, who take the pains to search for it, will understand the meaning. But those careless hearers that just want to be amused by the stories would miss the truth they were designed to illustrate. So they would be ever hearing, but never understanding. This message about our attitude towards God's word and our desire to really hear from him is laid out clearly in Matthew 7, verse 7, where Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So the challenge Jesus poses through this parable is, are we really seeking to hear from God? The parable describes three obstacles that can prevent us from really hearing God's word and letting it take root in our lives. The first is that there's a spiritual battle when the word is preached. In verse 15, the word, Jesus explains the seed that landed on the path that was eaten by the birds. 
And he describes how as soon as we, he, they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you've told someone something, and the very next moment they ask a question which shows they weren't listening to a word you said. Um, I know I've also related to the other person in the story, and there have been times when uh, things have come in one ear and gone out the other without really processing it. Um, but I do wonder if there are times also in my life when I do that with God's word, that I allow, I allow it to pass through and not really engage with it. The second set of obstacles are the troubles and the persecutions represented by the rocky ground, which cause the plant to have no root, so it lasts only a short time. I've not experienced the kind of persecution that many Christians around the world face. Uh, but when I was teaching, there was a colleague of mine who was quite critical of Christianity. And I remember on a Sunday um, at church feeling really encouraged to be bold in my faith. However, when I walked into the staff room on a Monday, I, was, uh, I found that courage had all vanished very quickly. Um, I can find, we can find it so hard sometimes to identify uh, with being a Christian when there's a cost involved. And the third set of obstacles are the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things which all choke the word. I think this is the set of obstacles I struggle most with, as they can be so subtle. We might be worried about finances in our lives and um, allow a little bit of dishonesty, dishonesty to creep in in order to get that next promotion. Or the hours of work to creep up so we spend less and less time reading the word and seeking to hear from the Spirit or the desire for some material thing or a particular relationship to grow so much that we can no longer see Jesus. All these obstacles can present real challenges for us in hearing God's word and letting it take root in our lives, but we can be so encouraged by the seed that falls in the good soil and produces a crop. When the Bible talks about crops or fruits, it often refers to the transformation of our character as we start to bear the fruits of the Spirit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it also refers to the fruit of our impact, the impact of our witness. As we become more like Jesus, uh, people will see him in us and be drawn to him. And so we'll be given opportunities to speak of him and speak of the good news about him and see his kingdom spread. So this brings me on to the second point I'd like to explore, which is what can we learn about the sower, about how we can share the gospel. The sower in the parable ultimately speaks of God as he speaks his word and as he sends Jesus, the word made flesh, into the world. To understand the role of the sower, we can also look at how Jesus goes about speaking God's word to people. If we look back to the beginning of Mark chapter 3, we'll see Jesus entering the synagogue to teach. Now, at the beginning of chapter 4, we see that Jesus begins to teach by the lake. He's changed his location and his audience. This is quite significant as we look at the parable he tells, as it shows how Jesus is prepared to go wherever the people were to share the good news, whether they be the religious synagogue goers or ordinary fishermen doing their business on the shores of the lake. He offered his words of life to all. And when he was rejected in one place, he moved on. But he ensured that all people had a chance to hear. 
In fact, Jesus was prepared to get in a boat and move a little way from the shore so he could make use of the natural auditorium that the little bays along the north coast of Galilee have created. He wants all to have the opportunity to hear, and he offers his words of life to them. And he also calls us, his followers, to share the gospel with others. When we look at the sowers, sower, we can see that the, sowed, the seed is sown indiscriminately. The seed isn't just placed in the fertile soil. It's spread everywhere. So we are to offer to all. We do not know which soil will be fruitful, so we're called to sow generously. We only need to look at the unlikely people who become Christians to see that we're not always the best judge of what is fruitful soil. A few weeks ago, we looked at Levi, or Matthew, the tax collector, who chose to follow Jesus and became a fruitful evangelist. And famously, Paul, who had been persecuting Christians until he met Jesus and heard the gospel from Ananias and then went on to bear much fruit as he reached the Gentiles across the Roman Empire. From my limited experience of attempting to share the gospel, I found it's in the places I least expect where I see fruit. Last year, I'd had a busy Sunday doing children's work in the morning and youth work in the evening, so I thought I'd go on Monday morning to a communion service up at the cathedral. I thought it'd be nice to be anonymous and to go and have some quiet time with God on my own. It was a small and lovely service, and afterwards, the girl sitting next to me said hello, and we got chatting. Uh, It turned out she was from Shanghai and was visiting a friend at Surrey University. She'd been walking up past the cathedral and spotted there was a service, and so she'd come in and and come to check it out. Uh, She then asked me to explain what had happened in the service and what the bread and the wine were for. Uh, We ended up having a wonderful conversation about who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. I then asked if she had ever had a um, a look at the Bible, and she said no, she hadn't ever seen a Bible. Um, And strangely, I I had actually been given a Chinese Bible a few years previously that was in Mandarin and English when I'd been teaching in China. Um, And so I said if she was free the next day, she could pop into St. Saviour's and collect it. Um, I had meetings the next day, so I left the Bible on the the front desk, and she did come and collect it. Um, I, uh, I don't know what happened after that. I've not stayed in touch, whether the Bible made it back to Shanghai with her or not. Uh, whether it's been read or not, but a seed was scattered, and I pray that it does bear fruit. And this leads us to consider the third point is what, uh, that we can discover from this parable, which is what can we expect to see when we do share the gospel? The story of the seeds shows us that as we offer the gospel to all people, there are some who will not receive it. Interestingly, the words that Jesus quotes from Isaiah verse 12 comes just after Isaiah's commission from God with the famous words, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response is, here am I, send me. And then God commissions him, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused and their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. God's desire all through history is for people to turn and be healed. And Jesus' death and resurrection make that possible. But we are told that still some will not. Does this mean that we don't share the gospel with them? 
No, as Isaiah was called, go and tell this people, so are we. But we are to follow Jesus' example, where he was not afraid to move into new territory. If the gospel was not received in the synagogue, he moved on to the lake. From this parable, though, we can be so encouraged that if only one seed falls in fertile soil, the results are exponential growth, producing a crop 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. So it is totally worth it for just the one. Exponential growth is an powerful, immensely powerful concept for those of you who are mathematicians. Um, but to help us grasp it, let's have a look at a, an Indian chess legend as an example. So the legend goes that there was a king who had the habit of challenging wise visitors to a game of chess. One day, a traveling sage uh, was challenged by the king. To motivate his opponent, the king offered him any reward that the sage could name. The sage modestly asked for just a few grains of rice in the following manner. Um, the king was to place a single grain of rice on the first square of the chessboard and then double it in each consecutive each square. Following the, um, the game, um, the king actually lost, but being a man true to his word, he ordered for a bag of rice to be brought to the chessboard. Then he started placing the grains of rice in the following arrangement. One grain on the first, two grains on the second, four on the third, eight on the fourth, and so on. Following the exponential growth of the rice payments, the king quickly realized that he was unable to fulfill his promise because on the 20th square, the king would have to put one million grains of rice. And on the 40th square, he would have to place one billion grains of rice. And finally, on the 64th square, the king would have to put, I had to look this up because I wasn't sure how, how, how many zeros there were, eight quintilli, 18 quintillion um, grains of rice, which is equal to 210 billion tons and is allegedly sufficient to cover the whole territory of India with a meter thick of rice. This legend tells the power of exponential growth and how the one very quickly becomes many. In the same way, Jesus tells lots of stories where one becomes many, whether it be the single seed producing a hundred times what was sown, or whether it be a mustard seed becoming the tallest plant in the garden, or a small amount of yeast spreading through a batch of dough. When the gospel is received in good soil of someone's life, it has a big impact. I'd like to just share a story of a boy in our youth group to encourage you. I've, I've asked his permission, and he's happy for me to share this story. Um, so last year, I organized a conference um, for our, group, our youth group's hub and waste to go up to London. And I'd done the risk assessment. I'd checked the train times. I'd found another leader to come. And on the day, only one young person turned up at Guildford Station. So we waited for a bit, and we wondered whether to cancel it. Uh, but we decided we'd go for it. Um, during the conference, uh, a speaker had spoken about what Christ had done on the cross. And he used the image of our lives being like a car, where Jesus could be outside the car, or he could be in the back seat, or he could be in the passenger seat, or we could allow him into the driver's seat of our lives. He invited anyone who would like to, be, uh, to allow Jesus into that driver's seat to come to the front. And this one boy who had come with us got up with no hesitation and went to the front. Both myself and the other leader were incredibly moved and immediately felt it was totally worth the trip up to London for that moment. But just to add to that, a few months ago, this boy did a talk at his school on why we can trust the Bible. 
and he said that over 60 people came to hear him speak. Um, he did say he'd provided pizza, free pizza, so that may have had an influence. Um, but how encouraging that, um, that he was able to share his faith with a lot of his friends at school. And how encouraging that it takes just one seed to land in good soil to produce a crop 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. Wonderfully, this parable reminds us that it's not us that causes the seed to grow. We may sow the seed of God's word, but his word and the power of his spirit causes the transformation in people's lives. The parable of the seeds draws on other imagery used in Isaiah. In Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 13, we read, As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Sometimes we get a glimpse of what God is doing with those seeds, like I did with this member of our youth group. But at other times we don't see, and we have to trust God, like the Chinese Bible given to the girl from Shanghai. So, as we've looked at this passage, we've considered the obstacles that prevent us from hearing the word of God and allowing it to bear fruit in our lives, which all begin with not really listening. The things that can prevent us from hearing him may be troubles or persecution or worldly worries or the desire for other things. Where the word is preached, there is a battle, but it is one that is won by Christ. We've also thought about what we can learn from the sower, about how we are called to share the gospel generously with all people in all places. And we've discovered what we can expect as we do share the gospel that some will not receive it, but that those who do will produce a crop that is significantly bigger than what was sown. I'd like to just finish with a quote from Roy T. Bennett's book, The Light of, in the Heart, and he writes, Listen curiously. Speak honestly. Act with integrity. The greatest problem with communication is we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. When we listen curiously, we don't listen with the intent to reply. We listen for what's behind the words. Let's pray as I close. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word which has the power to transform lives. Help us to listen curiously, to understand what's behind the words, to allow that understanding to shape our lives and make us more like Jesus. Help us to follow his example of being generous sowers of the word as we seek to share the gospel with all people. And help us to trust you with the outcome, knowing that you are at work even when we can't see it. So we pray the words from Isaiah 55, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is your word as it goes out from your mouth. It, may, it will not return to you empty, 
but we pray that it would accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you sent it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.